are listening to Food Trucks in Babylon, a Western seminary podcast with Dr. Todd Miles and Dr. Patrick Schreiner. Listen as they discuss matters of faith, theology, and culture in a post-Christian world. Hey, this is Patrick. This is Todd. Hey, and it is uh, March 19th, and obviously everyone is worried and scared about what's happening, so we thought it would be a good time to sit down and have an episode about how Christians and church can respond to the coronavirus. Um, Todd is actually not here with us. You are where, Todd? Explain where you are. I'm sitting in my home right now, uh, like many people are across the country, across the state, certainly. And, and the reason for that, and, and, and this will bear on what we talk about a little later, is that uh, my wife is in the middle of chemotherapy, and she is severely immune compromised. And so uh, we have been kind of sheltering in place for quite some time, although maybe not quite as stringently. But that's kind of our reality. And, and to some degree, it's a reality shared by a lot of people uh, right. right now um, it, uh, across the country. Um, and uh, and then a little later in the podcast, when we think about uh, the church meeting virtually and streaming, uh, this has taken on a, a, a new meaning for our family right now uh, because of everything that my wife's going through. That's right. So we're practicing social distancing in recording this podcast, even though Todd is 15 minutes down the road yep. I'm up in the studio and Todd's at home and we just thought it'd be helpful to walk through how can the church respond to this? How should Christians respond to this? It's it's a trying time, something that um, at least this generation hasn't in- encountered. Other generations have, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about what we can learn from them. But Todd, do you want to just maybe get us going and um, h- how should the church respond to what's happening right now? Obviously, um, there's different different responses that I've seen from Christians, and that's one of the reasons we want to address it. Um, so what, what can we gain from like a biblical perspective here? Well, I think that's that's the critical thing, is we have to have a biblical perspective here, right? And uh, we don't have time to work through a whole theology of suffering and 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 such, but but we know that this is a broken world, right? Uh, we, we know that uh, that this is a world that that is under a curse. Uh, we feel that every day. It, it, it's also a world that's full of of the grace of God, and and we feel that every day as well. And uh, Christians, when they're thinking well, are 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 recognizing both of those realities. Uh, this this pandemic is bringing a lot of fear, but it's also bringing genuine suffering into the world. Uh, yeah. People are are sick. They are suffering, and people are dying. And, and, and I think that the first response of, of Christians is is that we mourn with those who mourn. Yeah, I agree. Romans twelve fifteen is the text I thought of immediately where you just quoted it. You mourn with those who mourn. There are, have already been a lot of people both stateside and worldwide who have died. And um, and so I think the first response we have is we mourn and maybe we, we also call out to God. Uh, I was thinking of the text um, from Second Chronicles 7, 14 through 15 where it says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin. And this is the key uh, phrase, and heal their land. 
Isn't that an interesting phrase? That if they humble themselves and call out, he will heal, heal their land. And I think we should, in terms of a biblical perspective, be calling out to God, humbling ourselves, recognizing suffering. God doesn't promise to keep us from suffering. He promises to be with us in suffering. But he also calls us to uh, call out to his name and say, Lord, you are the sovereign God over all things, and you can heal our land, you can heal our bodies. And so we call out to him to heal. And so each night um, we've been praying with our kids just that God would heal, that he would heal people who have this, and um, that really the whole world would be able to go back to where it was before um, this all hit us. So, yeah, there, there's a ton of texts that we can go to, but mourning, praying, uh, other ways that we should respond. Well, I think that we also uh, look uh, for, for opportunities uh, in this. Uh, we, too, have, have, uh, have been praying. It's, it's interesting how, how global our prayers have become, and, and maybe they all should have been that way. But, um, you know, with, with my wife's illness, our, our, our family prayer time always hits quickly to uh, please, please heal Camille, please heal mom, um, uh, strengthen her through this. And, and now uh, we find ourselves saying, Lord, have mercy on our state, have mercy on our city, have mercy on, uh, have, have mercy on the world yeah. um, and, and lift this, uh, show, show kindness and, and compassion to, to the world. And uh, in, in many ways, this, it's, it, it's, it's been helpful and, and clarifying. Right for, right for so many Christians as they pray, and, and and I would encourage all of us to continue to do that. You know um, that the the passage Patrick that you quoted, of of course, that's that's written under the the context of the Mosaic Covenant, right? Yeah. Uh, but but the principles that you outlined are uh, transcend covenantal boundaries, don't they? Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, and God. God does still interact with it. He's not deistic. He's not an absentee landlord. Um, even though there are specific promises in the Old Testament that relate to the Old Testament, he still relates to us and he's still involved in our world. And so he can do what he wishes to. And so that's why we call out to him still to to heal us and to heal others. And that's, that's the constant prayer. But I really like what you said in terms of this... Um, this is a tragedy. This is, um, we could describe it in many ways, but I I think what we see from the scriptures is that trials and times of testing also are opportunities for us to point to the redemptive purposes of God. And so one of the things that uh, I keep telling my family and as a church we keep thinking about is, you know, when, when death is on people's minds, the promises of Jesus becomes more real at the same time because the promise of Jesus is a conquering of death, resurrection life. And there's actually a new book out there um, by kind of a friend of a friend. It's called Remembering Death. And his whole argument is when the promises of death are kind of pushed off from us, or, or sorry, the promises of um, life are pushed off from us. If we don't think about death as much, then those promises of life actually aren't as real to us. And so as actually death and the reality of the shortness of life comes near, the promises of Jesus's life become actually all the more real to us. And I, I, I'm just thinking in terms of our neighbors and people in our churches who 
um, you know, life was kind of for many of them just going on as normal. And uh, you get up, you go to work, you make your money, you go home, you go to a nice restaurant, and everything is now disrupted now. And you're thinking about living, living the Portland dream you just that's described. That, that's right. <laughs> you're you're 25. You're retired. Um, you go and eat eat good food, so forth and so on. So, um, yeah. But I, I was just thinking that like this brings the conversation of what's happening right now and the promises of the gospel become very real. And I, I know obviously as your family has been going through this before the coronavirus with um, your wife's sickness and uh, that, that the reality of just the shortness of life becomes very real and the promises of God, they hopefully come near to you in that time. Uh, it's a hard time. But uh, just redeeming these opportunities to actually speak to people about the gospel, speak to people about the hope that we have in Jesus. Uh, historically, this is a time where God has actually done great works when people are scared and life is upturned and he, he meets us in a unique way in those times. Yeah, we, we need to remember that, that God is sovereign right? Uh, God is not reacting or responding to something like he's, you know, two weeks behind or three weeks behind on this. Uh, he's, he's not like our government who's, who's reacting, reacting, reacting. Uh, God is sovereign over this entire thing. Uh, this is, it, it, it has not caught him by surprise. It is right. in, in some sense uh, his, his plan. And uh, I suspect it's going to be his plan by which he saves many people. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, if, if the church remembers that, uh, then we can be a, a con, we ought to be a conduit of, of hope and an encouragement of, 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 of gospel truth to people who will listen now, perhaps in a way that, that, that they wouldn't have prior to this. That's right. Uh, but we also know that, that God uses suffering in, in a sanctifying way. That's right. Um, and and then he, he turns around and uses the suffering that we go through uh, to enable us to to minister grace and, and comfort uh, to to others. And so uh, you know, as as Christians, there there's so there are so many theological truths that we have to hold in, in balance through this. We mourn, but we don't mourn as those without hope. That's right. Uh, we. Uh, we, we have hope. We see opportunities. Uh, we, we thank the Lord, not necessarily for a, a virus affecting people. I don't, I don't think that's what give thanks in all circumstances means. Um, but we do thank the Lord that, that he is at work mightily uh, in this process. And, and we thank the Lord that he is redeeming this, this awful thing. Um, and we thank him for the, the great work that he's doing in our lives in the midst of this suffering. Yeah, that's right. And, and another text that I've seen circulating, there's just so many good texts in terms of, you know, the Bible is written. I, you know, I've not gone through the Bible and actually tease this out, but it seems like most of the scripture is written to a suffering community. So when you think about mm-hmm. Israel and just uh, the nations that are warring against them, and then this minority movement in the early church, or in the early empire. And so, so most of the Bible can actually be put just under the lens of this suffering community. And yeah. it, it actually, as we go through our own sufferings, it makes 
again, the promises that Paul, the promises that the prophets give all the more real because sometimes when you're living in such a lush and um, flourishing society, even economically, the Bible seems so far away from us in terms of what's happening when everything, even the government is supporting every, most of the things you do or there, there's no issue there. You read the scriptures and sometimes it just seems so far away. But but the text that I was just uh, thinking about that has been circulating as well as 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 11, just thinking that ultimately this won't defeat us as Christians, that we have this hope, what you've been speaking about. So Paul says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus's sake so that Jesus's life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. In other words, the worst thing that the virus can do to us is kill us. But according to the scriptures, that's the worst that it can do. And Jesus says, don't fear that which or that whom can kill the body, but fear him who can put the body and soul into hell. Jesus has conquered death. And so the worst thing that can happen to us is physical death. But we do know through Jesus there is resurrection life. So Andy Crouch, I love what he said. He said, as Christians, we need to redirect social energy away from anxiety and panic to love and preparation. Good. Yeah, that, that's that's super helpful. And as, as, as we're thinking about about the sovereignty of God and about not, not fearing death. Of course, that doesn't mean that we don't use common sense. That's um, right. Common sense is one of the most significant means of grace that, that we have today. Um, and uh, so uh, there's so many uh, helpful uh, admonitions are being given to us in terms of, you know, social distancing, I, I, I suppose, uh, cleanliness, hygiene, washing hands, hand sanitizing, if if you can get any. Of course, we've been collecting it for about six months now. So so we've got gallons. If you need, uh, just come to the Miles home. And Can you give your address real quick? I mean, there'll be <laughs> Portlanders lined up for you. Yeah, you know? That's right. That's right. Care, Pri- care of Western Seminary. Price gouging. <laughs> You'll soon be arrested for that. You're like $500 a bottle. No. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. When we speak about um, not fearing, I've seen people go to uh, opposite extreme to, well, 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 we don't fear, so we can do whatever we want. But we need to be smart. We need to trust the promises he has made, not the ones he hasn't. And yeah. so th- the reality of not fearing because the Lord is always with us. The Lord is our light and our salvation. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he will always be with us. That doesn't mean that we just move on like everything's normal. No, we we trust the right resources in terms of we look to the Center for Disease Control of what's happening. We look to um, the World Health Organization. So even the World Health Organization actually said that we're not only in the midst of a pandemic, but we're in the midst of an infodemic. Hmm. So there's a lot of false information going out there. And I think as Christians, if we, if we believe in truth, 
we also need to believe in truth about spreading true things about this, <laughs> which it's hard because there's all this information coming at us, but who, and who do we trust? Um, well, but, you trust food trucks in Babylon. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You trust um, the, the scientists in this room right now, you know, like we know everything about this, but right. you know, like even um, I was reading, there's different things about the mortality rate of this. And right now, like our doctor sent out to us, they said, we just don't know. We just don't know. Like sometimes people say three, seven, one percent. And I think they were saying, we don't have the statistics on it yet. Like we can maybe make a guess based on what's happened so far, but we just don't know mortality rate on this. And so we need to be careful about even speaking too soon about things. I listened even to a podcast last night about um, like, you know, some people are saying if you drink lots of water in the day, it'll flush it out of your system. Or if you, you know, the, the, the part about um, a, as the weather warms up, this will go away. Um, so get in the sun a lot more. And I, I guess a lot of people were getting under like the lamps and like burning themselves and taking baths ah. and stuff. But again, that's a possibility. But according to everything that I've read, we don't know. Again, we don't know if the warm weather, uh, we do know it's spreading in warm weather as well. And so it, we need to be really careful about spreading false information and just assuming that, well, just because we don't fear like others that God will protect us. No, we need to practice social distancing. That is loving your neighbor. It is. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it, it is really difficult to prove causation on these things. Right. I mean, probably one of the reasons why it doesn't spread as much in warm weather is because people are outside doing like normal social distancing at that point. That's right. right. I, think, I mean, I think that's the reason why the flu uh, season is in the cold months is because we're we're cramped inside and, and kids aren't at school there's so many factors probably well, yeah so, so, not- so how do you prove causation on this uh, best best to just uh, follow the wisdom that we have been given um, uh, look to reputable sources and, and and listen to them yeah and it's important to remember that god hasn't promised to keep us from suffering or even keep us from an untimely death, but that God has promised to be with us in our suffering. And so as we pray, we pray that, Lord, increase our faith, protect us from trials, right? Protect us from suffering. But he never, he actually said, you will suffer. Um, But he did say, I will be with you in that suffering. And so just remembering, again, saying that the promises that he has made and not the ones that he hasn't. He hasn't said, well, all Christians can go in here and do these things and you won't catch it because I will be the shield around you and you won't you won't catch this virus. That's just not a promise that he has necessarily made. Can he do that? Yes, he certainly can. But it's, it's not a promise that he has made. Yeah. And we need to realize, too, that the Bible treats suffering variably, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, that uh, we are supposed to avoid suffering, that we are supposed to uh, bring an end to suffering. I think there's plenty of Bible to that effect. Uh, but there's also uh, plenty of Bible that suggests that God uses suffering uh, in our lives. And God may ask us to suffer uh, for for the sake of the kingdom of God. And and so, uh, we again, we need to hold these truths in tension. Uh, I, I do know that the scripture does not place near as high a priority on 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 a leaving suffering and avoidance of suffering, especially 
that our world does, mm-hmm. especially here in America. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Everything in our system right now is just avoid suffering and move towards freedom and flourishing. But the scriptures seem to point towards suffering actually produces character in us. Look at Romans five, look at first and second Peter, so forth and so on. So these suffer, not that suffering is a happy thing. We recognize that it is that which we mourn, that which we, um, that is difficult in our lives, but that also God is working through it and there is a greater purpose. We can't always see that greater purpose. Like we can't, I can't see the greater purpose right now of what's happening. <laughs> I think we and, should be slow to speak. We to might not ever yeah, know that's the right. greater purpose, this side of heaven, but we have hopes that there is because right. God, God has his hands on the wheel, right? That's right. That's right. Jesus, take the wheel. Something like that. You know that song, Todd? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a little break. Todd's going to go get some food truck food and um, come back, and we're going to keep talking. We are back thinking about the church's response to the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, But as usual, when we come back from break, we like to think about uh, food for a little while. Uh, Food trucks, are they still operating here in Portland? I think the answer is yes for the time being. Patrick, you have a, a recommendation for us? Yeah, actually, the food truck scene might be even flourishing at this point because, you know, re- people can come in, grab their food and keep going. So um, go to food trucks. Keep going. Yeah, one food truck I would recommend. I can't ever remember which ones I've recommended, so hopefully I haven't given this before. And all of our episodes are out of order, so who knows if I have. But um, Mumbo Gumbo PDX on Milwaukee and Selwood. Um, It's like Cajun Creole food truck. It's amazing. So I've been there like four times now, and sometimes I just crave it. Actually, one Sunday after church, my kids wanted burgers, and I was like, I must have mumbo gumbo. So I literally went and got it just for myself and came back and ate burgers with them as I had mumbo gumbo. Um, but in terms of businesses, actually, it, you know, businesses are struggling. Some are closed. Um, but my wife was actually telling me some of the things that she's just been reading on the Internet, and I think this is good advice. If you have a place that you really enjoy, um, like buy a gift card from them now. Uh, as they struggle or um, go order out from them. If you like love a place in your area and you want to support them, everyone's pulling in at this point and these businesses are really struggling. So I, I think actually one way, obviously people are struggling financially and maybe they can't do this, but one way, if you can, if you still have finances coming in at this point, one way you can support these businesses is go order takeout uh, or go buy a gift card from them and then spend it later if they're closed. And so we, we actually put that into practice. We have a place we love and we just went and ordered takeout the other night just because we were like, we don't know if they're getting any business right now. We don't know what's going on, but we 
really care for these people. Um, we go in there a lot and eat. And so we uh, ordered it and brought it home. And so I, I think that's just a great practical way to love others through this time. If there's businesses or restaurants or whatever it is in your area that are still doing some sort of takeout, try to support them. I, I think that's a great way to act as Christians and even tell them that's what, why we're doing this. Yeah. yeah, that's that's good advice. Let's think about the church for a little while. Uh, Patrick, what's your your church doing on, on Sundays nowadays? Yeah. So we had an elders meeting, um, one or two nights ago and we were talking through options. So we thought about live streaming our service, which a lot of churches are doing. We cannot meet. We're in Oregon here. So I'm looking at the, um, um, OHA, uh, website right now and we have 75 positive cases. I don't, um, remember how many deaths we've had. Uh, do you remember Todd? Three. Is there three? I, deaths? I think three now. Okay. Um, there's 361 pending results. And so there's 75 and it's, it's spreading to different, uh, counties. So anyways, our governor actually put out a, um, I, would you call it a law? I guess, uh, that you cannot meet over with over 25 people. So if you meet with over 25 people, you actually can be charged with a misdemeanor if I'm getting all those yeah. de- details correctly. So it's very clear in terms of what, uh, our governing authorities are telling us to do, which which speaks into, I, I think we are called to submit to be good citizens at this point. Um, and so we have texts like Romans 13, 1, let everyone be submissive to governing authorities. Our governing authorities are telling us to do this. So as our church, um, we, we take that very seriously. We also not only are submitting to the government in this, but we think it's a way of loving uh, our neighbors and specifically loving those who could contract this and have serious health complications and even death in light of this. And so we, so we, they're calling us to social distance. So that's what we're doing. So we are not meeting for the time being. And we went back and forth on, should we stream a service or should we do something where we record kind of a devotion scripture reading, and then have like a Spotify playlist that people can go through and we're a small church, and so we decided actually having a like live stream or having a whole service was not going to be what we were going to do, even though many larger churches are doing it. We are actually not set up for live stream. We don't have the equipment right now for it. And so just in terms of like practicality, we are going to have um, our, our main preaching pastor record devotions each week for the time being. Two weeks is kind of what we said we're going to do, and then we're going to reevaluate how that's going to go. So we're going to send that out. I encourage people to actually sit down on Sunday morning, watch that, talk about it through the family, and then we're going to um, meet midweek through Zoom. We bought a Zoom license to check up on people in small groups and so forth and so nice. on. So that's, that's our plan moving forward, but we also recognize that everything is in flux. And so we are holding things very loosely right now. What, what are you guys doing, Todd? Well, we, we uh, live streamed uh, last Sunday and uh, the, the plan is to keep going forward with that. I, th- I think that it was well received uh, by, by the congregation. Um, it, it, was, it was deeply encouraging uh, for, for our congregation as well. And so that's the plan right now. You know, I know that, that uh, in, in some circles that they're saying uh, things like uh, the government really doesn't have the right to tell us not to assemble. Um, and, and the church needs to be meeting, the, the church needs to be dispensing the sacraments and, and so forth. And, you know, I, I, I think that when a church decides not to meet for all the reasons that, that you gave, the very good reasons not 
not to me. Um, we're not violating Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. That's right. Uh, we're not forsaking the assembly. And, 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 and governments are not telling churches don't meet, like only churches right. are not to me. They're telling everybody don't gather, right. don't get it. And so this is, this is not particular to uh, the Christian faith at, at all. Uh, it's, it's not aimed at, at the church. And, and we're not, by, by not meeting, we're not forsaking. Uh, it's, it's not a choice that we're making. It's, it's something that the government has mandated for, for public health reasons. And so I think we can submit uh, at, at least for now, at least for now, uh, that, that we can submit in, in clear conscience. Yeah. And um, I think we should. I would even say that stronger. I think we should submit at this point. This, Like you said, this is different from like a statism coming in saying, we don't agree with your doctrine. We don't like what you're saying. Therefore, you can't meet. At that point, I think it's time for civil disobedience. But yeah. this this is not that situation. No, it's not. This is this is This is a public health issue. This is a pandemic. This is, I mean... Things are shutting down economically because of that, and I think it's prideful. I think it's prideful and wrong for Christians to say, "Well, we we, we get a special license here." I th- I think that is a real, actually, a really bad witness to do that. I think we should follow oh, these think- guidelines at this point. And if you're meeting, I, I would, yeah, I don't know, I would love to sit down with you and talk through. Well, maybe not sit down with you, Zoom with you and talk through why you think you should do that. I I think it's a really bad witness. Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree with you on that. Um, it also uh, on on another uh, angle on this, uh, some some churches are refusing to uh, to stream services because it's just not really church. It's not really church, and uh, I I agree that a a virtual service, you know, with streaming a service. I, I uh, this last Sunday, I I, I sat with my family. Uh, and and we 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 sang <laughs> together. Uh, we participated through praying, like uh, as much as was normal. We listened to the preached word, um, but it 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 wasn't the gathered assembly. It was not the same thing. It's not the same thing. That's right. No. That's where I agree with those people. But yeah, keep but, going. Yeah, but uh, this is an extraordinary time. And, and sometimes you have to make do with what you have. Uh, here's, here's a correlation to that. Um, I, I think everyone would agree that, that uh, husbands and wives should talk, and they should talk face-to-face, right, uh, whenever possible. That that's where real communication takes place. But if if one of the spouses is on a business trip, it's okay to use Skype or to pick up a phone and make a phone call. It's okay to do that. Now, if we were in the same house and I was phoning my wife and and or Skyping her, and that was how we were communicating, then at that point it's weird, right? But but <laughs> but that's not what's going on in the church, right? What's going on in the church is that we're not we we are not allowed to get together, and so we have to do what we can. Yeah, we have to do what we can, and and so so I think uh, streaming a service, uh, recording a service. Uh, that in an extraordinary time, you take extraordinary measures and, and use, use the good gifts of technology that the Lord has given us. That's right. Uh, it, will it make us yearn for actually gathering bodily together? I, really I hope, hope so. so. Yeah. I, I hope that it will. Um, will it create just this appetite for nothing but virtual church? Uh, I, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think people are going to be long. I'm already long. We've, 
we, I mean, we're just starting this thing. I'm already like, man, it's going to be weird not going to church on Sunday. Like that is our pattern. And Hannah and I have talked about like, we are going to make as much of an effort to make Sunday still a unique day in our household. Because part of the reason is, I mean, she's looking at me and like, every day is going to be the same here. Like our kids are home. And, and it's just like, when you have no like pattern in your life. I mean, you just look even to the old Testament, there was a specific pattern that's given for even week in and week out. And I think it's significant that on Sunday resurrection day that we meet. And so as a family, we can't reproduce all of that, but we're going to reproduce as much as we can to say, this is a unique day. We're going to sit down in front of the TV and we're going to have devotions. We're going to sing. We're going to do things to make it uh, uh, kind of a, a day where we devote to the Lord. I, I do, and, and just kind of bouncing off what you said, I appreciate people asking and pushing on the question of like, what is the ecclesia? What is the church? Can you do these things on your own? Can you do these things individualistically? If you're preaching to a screen, is that really preaching? Is that like, the like don't do you have to have people in front of you? I, I so appreciate those questions. But at the same time, this is a unique circumstance, and I I just think we should use the resources we have. I, I, and like as a pastor at our church, I think if we said we're just shutting down everything, we are actually forsaking doing pastoral care at that point. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's how I would feel. I would be like, okay, we're not you're we're not doing pastoral care. So yes, it's not as good to hear a devotion on the screen as to come and gather, but. It's better to engage with the scriptures in some sort of communal format, even though it's not completely communal, because we're going to be discussing that text later on that week. And we're going to be meeting on Zoom, and we're going to be saying, how are things going financially? How are things going personally? How are things going socially? Are you going crazy? What can we do to help? We have we have older members in our congregation, and we as pastors actually just um, divvied up, not, not actually just for older members, but specifically for older members, I ask, can I go get groceries for you? Like if you feel uncomfortable going out to the store, I am a younger individual and I, I could go get groceries for you. So I just, I texted them and said, do you guys need anything? Let us know if you need anything. Now, of course we would rather be together, but I think it's foolish to not use the technology that we have to encourage people. I, you know, we, we just recorded a podcast a few weeks ago that we might even release this week, but I gave the example from first Thessalonians. I just keep going back to this example from um, Thessalonians where Paul says, I want to be with you face to face, but I can't because Satan hindered me. Therefore, what does he do? He writes a letter. That's a form of technology, right? He's willing to actually use the technology. We don't view books and letters as technology anymore, but it was technology. It is technology. He uses the technology of the time to say, you know, this is second best, and I'm going to use this to communicate with you, to encourage you. And then you know what he does? He sends Timothy, and then he visits them. He actually goes back to them. So he, he, he figures out, like, in this time when I can't come to you, I'll, I'll do something else. I know, it's, I know it's not ideal, but let me write you this letter. And providentially, we still have that letter, and we're reading it. And God has used it for great good. So, yeah, I, I'm totally with you. I think we should be using the resources that we have. Um, I, I totally admit, live streaming a service and watching it, it's not the same. <laughs> it's, it could even be weird. Like I, I, I told my elders that we would sometimes be on road trips with my family and my parents would try to um, 
they're, they'll be listening to this. Now they're going to call me and yell, <laughs> yell at me. Cause, uh, but they would try to do family worship in the car. That was always very interesting. And I'll just leave it there. <laughs> uh, it was it was not the same thing <laughs> let's just put it that way <laughs> if only there were recordings of that shriner family road trips i with, with, I, I think my mom was preaching okay yeah. we should probably cut that one <laughs> yeah so right. well what let me here's a question what if this goes on for three, four, five months, do we still not meet? I, like, this is a hard question for me because I don't, like, at what point do we say we have to meet? Like, what? some people say this could last through the summer. Some people say this could last through the fall. Some people say in three months, two months, one month, we're going to be okay. I, I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm not an expert on any of this. But what if we get all the way through the summer and we're entering the fall or we enter the summer. And what, what do churches do then? Do you have any thoughts about that? Right now? Uh, no, I, I, I that's, I, I, it's, it's, it's probably too soon to be thinking uh, about that. Um, because right now I, I think that, that the faithful thing to do would be to not meet. Uh, but yeah. I think you're right that there, there may come a time where, um, we might want to consider gathering. Uh, but of course, uh, so many of the things that are motivating and prompting uh, the, uh, the barring of, of assemblies of more than 10 or 25 people, uh, those will still be in play, right? Uh, the, right. The, the witness to, to uh, an unbelieving world, uh, care for one another. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, sharing all things in common doesn't mean that we share uh, the viruses that we've contracted. Uh, and, and it's, it's always, it's always a kind of great interpretation of acts. acts yeah, too, there you go. You know? There you go. Uh, it's, it, it's, it, it's always a kindness to not be around people when you're sick. Uh, yeah. and I, th- that will never change. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And you know, one thing I was thinking of in terms of the early church as well, like we think of church as this big, production get like everything's set together but really the early church was a house church movement where small groups were gathering you know like many of these churches had 30 people in them and so maybe maybe uh, the ban on large gatherings will continue for a while but maybe it'll loosen up a little for smaller gatherings and maybe we be the church in houses again because it, it does seem like the church was flexible to where we can be this big thing. We can be this gather together 3,000 people, 5,000 people. But we can also be the church and actually truly be the church in a home. And yeah. so in some sense, we would be returning to our roots and saying the church is flexible in this way. And um, again the Lord does amazing things through trials and maybe there would be actually a return and revival to a more communal safe, but communal, a small group gathering. And that some churches, larger churches would have to say, you know what, we're not going to meet, but we're going to have small groups and we've got to limit it to this size and you've got to be really careful. Uh, and if people don't want to come, they shouldn't come if they feel nervous and maybe older folks shouldn't come at this point, just depending on the circumstances. But I could see actually um, 
churches doing that. They have to split up in some way and they have to delegate leadership to people. And then, yeah, you can, you can be the church in that, in the, in those small gatherings. I think that's very clear from the new Testament. So any thoughts about that? Well, and I think it would also make us more sympathetic and, and empathetic, I suppose, to the, uh, to the church around the world um, where for so many places uh, it house churches are, are the norm. Um, yeah. Uh, so great, great lessons from church history there, the book of acts, the early church. Um, and, and then of course, uh, other lessons from church history as well are that when, when trial comes to the world, uh, the church stands up and, and right. sacrifices for right. the well-being of others. And in, in the first few centuries of the church, the church made a name for itself by, uh, by caring for those that the rest of society was fleeing. Uh, right. Plague and sickness would strike, and, and, and the church, you know, much like a fireman running into a burning building while everyone's running out, uh, the church was going to the high population areas to take care of those That's who right. were left behind by, by fleeing society. That's right. I, I, I think we have to be ready to do that at, as well. That's right. And Martin Luther, just as a historical example, during the bubonic plague, there's this quote that's been going around by him. It's so Luther-esque. It's great. So I'm just going to read part of it because I I actually copied it. I just loved it so much. So this is during the bubonic plague, and he's talking about how he's going to pray that God would be merciful, but then he's also going to be smart about it. So this is what he says. He says, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to be con- become contaminated and thus perchance infect and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. I mean, Luther's thinking they're the exact same thing. He's like, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to be smart. And then he says, if God should wish to take me, he will surely find me. And I've done what ha- he has expected of me and I'm not responsible for either my own death or the death of, of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely. And that is such a great balance. He's like, I'm going to pray, I'm going to be careful, and I'm going to love. Those are basically the things that he's saying. So looking to Spurgeon, um, uh, Jeff Chang, actually a, f- a pastor at your church, just wrote an article on Gospel Coalition on how Spurgeon responded to the, what was it, cholera outbreak in 1854. Yeah. So it's great to look at church history. This is unprecedented for us, but it's not unprecedented in terms of in terms of church history. We can learn from these people. Yeah, we, we don't need to reinvent the wheel, do we? And, right. and boy, that, that Luther quote could have been written like yesterday. Just exactly. That changed. Change, change the vocab of fumigate to like sanitize and, and it's, right. it's very contemporary. I actually translate it live from German. Um, and so actually that, that, that was fantastic. <laughs> extraordinary, extraordinarily done. Yeah. Let me, oh, in terms of the church, let me just say one other thing and maybe you have, you might have a response to it, but I think it was Andy Crouch who said, here's the harmful messages to give as leaders of the church. Uh, everything is going to be fine. You're going to be okay. You're overreacting. He said those are harmful messages because we need to take this seriously and we shouldn't say people are overreacting because then that encourages our church to not love their neighbor by taking precautions and so forth and so on. I actually found those helpful. Do you have any response to that in terms of, I I think we are probably seeing pastors give a lot of different responses to this. Should they be giving responses like that? Yeah, I, we, we, 
we need to be purveyors of wisdom. We need to be purveyors of grace um, and, and adding to uh, the outrage, adding to the panic is, is unbecoming of the church and is, is certainly not doing, not doing the Lord's work there. You know, I think in, in terms of the, the church gathering, I, I, I think this will be an opportunity for us to be very creative and perhaps even intentional yeah. uh, to, to reach out to people. That's right. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, social distancing for many people can lead to social isolation. And, and again, good theology tells us that we are communal people. Uh, people are meant to live in community. And so, so social isolation can be, uh, well, not, not, not just hard to go through. It can be dangerous. And so we need to be very uh, intentional uh, about, about reaching out, even if, it's, even if it's through reaching out through technology to That's make right. sure that the yep. people are accounted for and taken care of. So heavens, uh, send text, Skype people, FaceTime people, maybe even write cards and letters. You know, we, we could get back to that art a bit. That's right. Redeeming the time. Our president, Randy Roberts, sent out a great thing about, instead of saying the ABCs, say the Lord's Prayer as you wash your hands. Like little things like that. And I thought that was great. Like you should just like redeem the times that you have. Um, And and you know what? Your neighbors are going to be around. Redeem that time. Like you probably can't hang out with them. But, you know, on our street, the kids are getting outside to play because they're going crazy inside. And so neighbors' kids are outside, which means their parents are outside, which means we're talking to them more. There are times to redeem here, and I think we should look for opportunities to speak of Christ um, because this is this is becoming the new normal for people for a little while. Hopefully it won't be for a long time, but we don't know. We just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Okay, well, I think we're about out of time here. I uh, hope this has been helpful, and Todd, stay safe over there. I'll see you in a few years. Excellent. All right. Yes. Maybe I'll have a beard by that time like you. (laughs) Yes, hopefully. And mustache. Thanks for listening to Food Trucks in Babylon. The music you hear is provided by our friends at Humble Beast Records. If you like the show, please leave us a review and feel free to subscribe. To learn more about Western Seminary, visit us at westernseminary.edu.